At City of Hope, its innovative treatments for cancer and groundbreaking research have saved millions of lives all over the world. This is City of Hope Radio with your host, Melanie Cole. Life after cancer treatment can sometimes present both physical and emotional challenges, and that's why City of Hope developed the Center for Cancer Survivorship, a long-term follow-up program that's designed to create a bridge between cancer treatment and community medical care. My guest today is Dr. Elizabeth Lynn Meyering. She's an assistant clinical professor in the Department of Medical Oncology and Therapeutics Research at City of Hope. Welcome to the show, Dr. Meyering. So, Tell us a little bit about life after cancer. How does it affect the survivors and also their families? Oh, that's such a great question, and it comes up all the time in my office. You know, when people are treated for cancer, there are so many issues that come up. You know, their first uh, task is to be cured from their cancer. They, they are goal-oriented. They want to get through it. But then what happens when they're done? They feel very lost. Sometimes they have a lot of fear. They don't know if their cancer is coming back. They have all kinds of issues that come up, and it's not just physical issues. They have so many emotional problems and, uh, that come up as well, uh, including grief and, um, like I said, the, the statistics are a, little bit, they're a little bit terrifying because when we think about the statistics of cancer, I mean, there's uh, about 12 million people surviving with a history of either chronic cancer or cancer that they have faced in the past in the United States today. Um, And a lot of those people are concerned that their cancer is going to come back. I would think that's one of the biggest fears. How do you deal with that? You know, some of us think we're going to get cancer, but if you've already had it, then that fear of recurrence would seem to be even greater. Well, that's interesting. I think that's very true. It is a greater fear. And I think I was a little naive when I was a young fellow, and I thought, well, shoot, if you get your cancer, maybe that's it. You, you pulled that card out, and you're done. But as it turns out that there is an increased risk for another cancer, when you have cancer in the first place, a lot of that has everything to do with whether or not you are carrying a genetic mutation, which truly that is the minority. Most people do not have a mutation. However, we know there is more than mutations that cause us to have uh, increased risk for cancer. So, you know, it's, it's just everybody has different coping skills and trying to help patients find what, how to put cancer in the rearview mirror. It's a different journey for every person, and it's not uh, a simple one, certainly. So when you think of the side effects of treatment, you know, chemotherapy, losing your hair, fatigue, general weakness, and you think, oh, I'm not even going to be able to work. What am I going to do for money? All these fears and stress start building up, Dr. Meyering. What about after the fact? And maybe you can go back to work. What are some of the after side effects that might limit your ability to, you know, do the things you always want to do? That's a great question. You know, and I usually characterize this for my patients in, I uh, in two different ways. One, I explain there's going to be temporary side effects, just like you mentioned, the hair loss and all of those different side effects. And then the long-term things, which I think the biggest problem that people have is uh, a, a problem with short-term memory and focus, uh, as well as self-esteem. 
And these things are very, very difficult to combat, and they happen to all patients with cancer, and not only if they've had chemotherapy. So we certainly have seen patients, uh, particularly breast cancer patients, who never even had chemotherapy. They just, maybe they had surgery, maybe they did or did not have radiation. However, they have the same cognitive problems that we see in patients who've received chemotherapy. So we know there is a lot more to this than just the medications we're providing. And strategies to do this, I sometimes try to help my patients by exploring what exactly is their problem. Is it, is it memory issues? Because there are go-rounds for everything. Sometimes um, I have them keep little notebooks where they can kind of, you know, put uh, buzzwords and things in there to just sort of help them feel like they've got control and to reassure them that there is life after cancer. They can do whatever strategies we need to do to help get back into the workforce because they're going to survive. And, you know, we know with all the, uh, you know, our five-year survival is now approaching 70% that they really are going to have an improved quality of life if they're able to go back to work. So if they are, and that improved quality of life you're talking about, what can they do to promote more of a healthy lifestyle at home? And when we talk about that fear of recurrence, do you need to keep checking again? I mean, I would think that some cancer survivors would want to go have scans like every three months, make sure it's not coming back. So what do you recommend for healthy lifestyle, things they can do, and follow-up care? So for healthy lifestyle, the most important things that I recommend is a very well-balanced diet, um, and I do not recommend fad diets for anybody. Um, lots of fruits and vegetables must have fatty acids, you know, must have healthy fats and enough protein. And exercise has been shown time and time again to help with the physical and the mental uh, effects of cancer treatment. Uh, it seems to improve mental acuity. It improves uh, reduced uh, joint pain. It is, uh, there's a million and one reasons that exercise is beneficial. A lot of times my patients come to me and they say, oh, I am just way too tired. And the truth of the matter is, is that uh, moving your body, it improves. Just your strength and your stamina is improved by exercise in general. Um, and, and, you know, you're right. A lot of patients do come in and want scans because they're so concerned about their cancer coming back. And there's a lot of different reasons that we don't do these things. For one thing, repeated scans is not, it's not good for us. I mean, this is a increases our risk to have exposure to ionizing radiation. Um, plus, it finds a lot of incidental things that really have no bearing on our health whatsoever. And that can result in many unnecessary procedures and surgeries and biopsies that we don't really need. But the other thing that's important is that in most cases, a scan is going to find cancer in which it's already past the point where we can cure it. And honestly, really what we need to be focused on is the ones that we can do something about. And that means continuing to do the routine screening. For breast cancer patients, that's going to be <clears throat> histories and physicals and breast exams and looking for local recurrence, which we can do an awful lot for. And if there is something that is outside of the breast, it presents with a symptom. People will have a pain related to wherever it is. And doing multiple scans doesn't typically find it sooner. Uh, and in the case of, 
lymphoma patients, however, in those patients we do often do heightened surveillance because we can often do things to interact with it or to change the cure rate. So I have to explain these things to the patients, and they're usually very amenable once they understand what the limitations of the imaging is and how it can offer uh, a negative impact on their health. So now what about family relationships? As we talk so much about that fear of recurrence, the family must be terrified as well. Children, spouses, parents, anybody who's dealing with cancer in a loved one. So how do you work with and what do you recommend for family relationships so that people can live a little bit less stress life when they're dealing with someone who's surviving cancer? That is such a good question, and it is so tricky because it depends on which relationships we're talking about. The first concern is when there are children involved, and the age of the child certainly has a lot to do with it, and very often parents are afraid to let their children know that they're fighting a cancer battle because they're afraid that their child will have fear. But what we do see is that children have a remarkable ability to be um, understanding, and they also they feel rejected if they are not told what's going on. Why is, you know, why is dad feeling sick all the time, or why is mom losing her hair? And so, you know, most of the time, it is a, a better strategy to have the child part of the process in the beginning, so that they have that ability to ask questions and to feel that they are not being uh, kept in the dark from this. And that is uh, actually probably easier than some of the other problems that come across in my office. You know, a lot of times this puts an unusual amount of strain on marriages. And a lot of this is because of changes in uh, body morphology. Uh, Sometimes people have had surgeries. Maybe they have, you know, ostomies where they have, you know, to have a bag for going to the bathroom. Sometimes they've had breast reconstruction. And all of these things cause problems both in the spouse but also in the patient themselves because they look at themselves and they're like, well, I'm not the person I was. I'm never going to be the person I was. I'm something different. I have a new normal. And it's sometimes very difficult to accept that. And that itself puts strain on it. And, you know, a healthy relationship uh, typically will survive a cancer diagnosis. But if the relationship is already strained, Often it results in a failure in the relationship, which is adding additional problems to the patient who already is struggling to feel like they can move forward. Um, and, and the other thing that comes up is is parents who have uh, not children but adult children who have a diagnosis of cancer. No one feels that they want to see their child go through cancer treatment, and uh, but typically these relationships are. Um, preserved and uh, supportive, and I, I don't see I don't see nearly the problems with those. But I think the body image is huge in a relationship, um, and often it is uh, the problem is often within the the patient themselves. Counseling is often very helpful for this, uh, and I usually recommend this uh, for most of my patients. So in just the last minute or so, Dr. Myring, your best advice for families and loved ones and the people going through cancer and surviving it? Well, my best advice is cancer is not the definition of the person. It is something that happens to someone. It does not define you. It is only something that has happened. And to move forward and be yourself and 
start the whole trip anew and turn the page and look forward. We all have to accept a new normal and to do it with gusto. I think that's my best advice. Thank you so much. That's great information. You're listening to City of Hope Radio. And for more information on the Center for Cancer Survivorship at City of Hope, you can go to cityofhope.org. That's cityofhope.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.